House of Corpus production. Hey, hey. Hey, girl. Welcome to the What a Mouthful podcast. I'm your host, Dee. I'm a qualified nutritionist, personal trainer, mindset speaker, and my favorite of all, I'm a mum. Living your best life doesn't have to be a grind, and I'm going to show you how to achieve a healthy mind and body. And if this episode speaks to you, give a sister a five-star review. Welcome back to the Water Mouthful podcast. I am just so excited because I have a superhuman on the other side of the bench today. I want to share with you first and foremost why I got her on this show. And it was because of, I mean, not only is she an amazing human being, but there was specifically a story I saw on your Instagram that I was like, oh, this bitch is next level. <laughs> Where you were talking about hyping yourself up. And this whole episode, I just want to dedicate to women who want to learn how to hype themselves up. So this is the beautiful Annalise McCarthy. She's a women's speaking coach and she's a friend of mine. And it's not only the fact that you're a friend of mine that you're on here, because this has to be completely relevant to the girls that are listening. But this episode is for you if you've ever struggled with confidence, if you've ever had a moment where you don't have that enoughness, you know, that, that not enoughness that I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not fit enough. I'm not whatever enough or imposter syndrome has hit you like a ton of bricks. So my beautiful friend, Annalise, um, let's start on talking about, you know, I'm, I'm big on stress resilience, huge on stress resilience and how to achieve a healthy mind. And I really want to start this episode by talking about confidence why it's important and why it is difficult. So take it away, my beautiful friend. Oh, well, thank you so much for the gorgeous introduction. Oh my goodness. I'm so honored to be here, Dee. Thank you so much for having me on. And what an amazing question to kickstart with the idea of, you know, what is confidence and, and why is it important? And one of the things that I think is really important to address when discussing confidence is defining it. And the reason I think that's really important is because not many people know the definition of what confidence actually is. And the definition is belief in or faith in yourself to do something. So belief or faith in yourself to do something. And the reason I find that so interesting is because often we perceive in confidence as very external. So we use a lot of kind of external factors to make us feel really good about ourselves. So the car that we drive or the, the clothes that we wear or whatever it might be. But actually confidence is so much more than that. It starts from the inside out. Mm. And that's also the most difficult aspect of confidence because it involves a lot of work. And confidence, I believe, in my experience, is a skill and a habit. And I describe it that way intentionally because I find that a lot of women, they label themselves as just, I am confident or I'm not confident. There's like two ends of the scale and you're either one or the other. You are confident or you're not it at all. And I think that's really dangerous because what it fails to recognize is that confidence is a wave mm. and it ebbs and flows. And you'll have days where you feel absolutely red hot fire. And then days where you just don't at all. That doesn't mean that you're not a confident woman. It just means you're going through a day where it's lapsed, right? So in order to actually feel that confidence, you need to recognize how difficult the journey is going to be to get there firstly. And I don't say this to scare women that are starting the journey. I say it to be honest and to recognize that anything that takes hard work is worthwhile. For sure. And I think you brought up such a good point there because it's a journey. And I know that people will look at you and I and they will deem us as, you know, 
successful, confident women. But you and I know our own stories. We weren't always this way. And it's definitely something that you develop over time. And what's really interesting is that it is very much dependent on your mindset. Like to people or even past you and future you or past you and hopefully present you can look at the same event or the same situation and address it in a different way based on your confidence because like you said it's the uh, like that that knowingness in yourself that feeling of you know do i feel like i can overcome this moment i can achieve something i can get beyond or past this situation i can work it out and this is what's so difficult is what you've just said there about the journey and when you have someone who's starting their journey we don't compare ourselves to people who are also starting their journey. We look at people who have already done the five years and are already as confident as they'd like to be or have done the hard work. And we look at that woman and we say, far out, how do I get there? Mm. I can't be like that. I'm not as confident as her. I don't look like her. I don't speak like her. I can't do what she does. And we automatically set ourselves on the back foot. And that's a really unhealthy mentality when we have that compare and despair syndrome, Mm. when we're looking at people who aren't on the same level that we are. So one of the things that I'm sure we'll dive into today when we talk together is about having a tribe of women Mm. around you who are at your level and at your journey, who are there to support you and raise you up and be there to help you in the stepping stones to get to where you want to go, rather than only having women who you're looking at on say for example social media who you have no connection with no Mm. relationship to who don't share the ins and outs or the steps of how they got to where they are Mm. and it leaves you feeling what you said before at the very beginning not enough or helpless or unsure of where to go and that's often why i think confidence is such a weird gray blur because it's like it's this big thing but how the hell did i get there and also it's so elusive Mm. because it's like there's no I mean, I think we're going to go through some very helpful actually how to later in this episode, but it's kind of this like, it's this feeling, it's this knowingness, but it's not tangible. So it's actually quite difficult for women to come to terms with like what it actually is. Um, And like you did address before that it's a belief and it's a knowingness, but isn't it so cool as well? Because you said it's about creating that tribe. Let's just dive into that right now, because I also feel like the more you have tribe around you, the easier it is to develop. But at the same time, the more you can work on that yourself rather than just waiting for tribe. Like I think tribe is equally as important, but it's kind of like the chicken and the egg situation because you will attract tribe when you develop that inner confidence. So you've got to start with the work. Like it is work. I mean, everything is work. You know, they say, choose your heart. Um, you know, it's hard to not have a job or it's sorry. It's hard to have a nine to five. It's also hard to work for yourself. It's hard to, um, you know, have chronic health conditions. It's yeah. also equally hard to go to the gym and look after yourself. It's like, choose your heart. Like it's kind of the same principle, I think. And, ha- and finding a tribe is something you really can only do when you are able to vibe high and attract those other people because they will be drawn to you like a magnet yeah i wish you could hear smiling because i'm just like (laughs) yes like everything you're saying and this is the whole idea of your vibe attracts your tribe Mm. right but if you don't know your vibe how are you going to attract your tribe if you don't know the woman that you want to be and the woman that you want to show up as if you don't know like have you taken the time to write down your values your core values as a woman, what matters to you? What's a hard yes? What's a hard no? What do you believe in? What do you want in life? If you are unclear on your vibe and your needs and your wants, 
No wonder you're not attracting the exact people in your life that are going to be there to support you on that journey and raise you up. And the reason I'm so passionate about a tribe, when you surround yourself with people who are doing what they want to do and being who they want to be, it gives you permission to do the same. Mm. And not only permission, it's support. And like I mentioned before, those stepping stones, you have women in your life who are not just there on a pedestal doing what they're doing, but they're there to reach down to grab your hand and pull you up with them. And that's really, really powerful. And also, don't you think that is a superpower that all women have? Yes. Like you put a woman in a room with a problem and every single woman around, like, look, I don't know because I'm not a guy. I can't speak from a guy's perspective, but I don't feel like they have that same tribal Mm. instinct where they just will do anything they're like okay i've got this resource this resource this resource and they'll just throw it at the person to just help them give them all the tools that they that they possibly need like one person with a problem in a in a room full of women especially in a room full of like like-minded amazing empowered women who know themselves kind of women that one person's problem is solved by like the 99 other people that they're with you know we can dive into that for a second because i actually i have a theory as to why that is and mm. it's not just connected to the the empowerment and amazing connectivity factor that women have but i believe socially and historically women are people pleasers mm. and so i think that we have more of an ingrained need to help mm. and to nurture and to fix than men do now, that's not scientifically backed. It's just a theory. And in all, all the work that I've done and all the coaching that I've done with women, it becomes self-evident after a long period of time. Mm. And when you really break down and you understand wh- where, where, where is that need and what, why is that there? And why, why do we so often want to help and offer to help? Even if we have zero energy left in our tank, why do we still give? Mm. And I think it comes back to that very historical role of what a woman is and it's a nurturer and a caretaker and a giver and i think that in my interpretation is what makes it different from men and i and i feel like you'd like raise a very interesting point there and it's around the idea that being a people pleaser is seen as a bad thing Mm. but it's like there's no right or wrong it's like it depends on the context so being a people pleaser and wanting to help other women so long as it doesn't overstep your own energetic boundaries (laughs) <laughs> she's just giving me a look where she loves what I said. Um, when you, yeah, I think that's the difference, right? Yeah. Look, share, well, share. Well, what a sexy word. Look, <laughs> boundary setting is one thing that it literally turns me on. Like the word boundaries to me is so <laughs> orgasmic. It's not even funny. Like I love, love, love empowering women on boundary setting. Because I feel like, firstly, it's a skill that is seen as so unattainable and so difficult. Mm. So there's a real veil around it and people don't know how to do it. But secondly, once you learn those skills and you can implement it and you can repeat it, literally your life changes. Because you learn how to put yourself as a number one priority in a way that serves yourself but while still serving others. I think there's this big conception with boundary setting that you put yourself first and everyone else is left in the trailblaze behind you. Yep. And it's it's not it's not about that at all. When you do it in a way that's respectful and loving and caring, I always talk about with boundary setting about love languages, mm. connecting into your love language and understanding how, for example, if your love language is acts of service and giving, right? 
it makes absolutely no sense for you to deprive yourself of doing nice things for yourself or taking yourself out on dates, but doing it for everyone else, Mm. right? You've crossed a boundary there with yourself, vice versa. It makes no sense for you to just do that for yourself and then deprive that from everyone else because you're depriving them of your love language. So it's finding that equilibrium between the two where you're able to set boundaries with others and uphold them, but also with yourself yep. and respect them it's a two-way street and i think you you brought up a point there where it's it's not a zero-sum game it's not i win you lose mm. it's i win you win and it's also very much related to if you're a parent if you're a mom you will very much understand that this is exactly what it's like instilling boundaries with children you lovingly just continue to hold that boundary knowing that it's for their best interest not in a way where you're taking something away it's it's a loving enforcement of a boundary that's a win-win you're preserving your energy you're helping them with some kind of outcome that they can't see you know what that outcome is going to be but that's it is a win-win so annie i mean you just brought up the most important thing around you know, the how to, which I feel like let's dive into the how to, what's the how to when it comes to boundaries? How do we continue to protect ourselves and our energy while also helping and serving and being confident? Because I feel like that's a very, they're almost interchangeable. I feel like when you have boundaries, that's when you can be confident because you also can't be confident if you don't have any energy to do so. If you're tired, if you're flat, if you're fatigued. Um, And you know, this is me. This is the way that I sort of view everything. I view it through this lens, but that also comes with like the physical health of your body. You know, if you're tired and drained and flat and you just, you can't be bothered, you're exhausted. Like, are you going to be bubbly, vivacious and confident, uh, commanding a room? I mean, probably not because you're not going to be vibing that high, but what's the how to, and take us on whatever journey you like. Amazing. All right, let's jump in the car, hop in the passenger seat. (laughs) Look, firstly, I'm really glad that you use that analogy about health because one of the analogies I explain to a lot of women I work with is that your body has an energy tank. And every single day in the morning when you wake up out of bed, you put on that energy tank, you carry it around like a backpack. Now, the energy tank at the beginning of the day, no matter if you're tired, hungover, however you feel, it starts at 100%. It resets every day. Now, if you go and surround yourself with people throughout the day who take advantage of you, make you feel like shit, don't prioritize you, don't support you, bring you down, don't acknowledge or respect your boundaries, right? Or if you don't uphold or implement your own boundaries, people are gonna be taking out of your energy tank all day, Mm -hmm. right? Take, 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 you're gonna be give, 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 but you get nothing back in return. So you end the day with an empty tank. Now, vice versa, compare that to a woman who has learnt how to implement boundaries, who has learnt how to preserve her energy, who has learnt all the amazing things that you teach about preserving your health and nutrition and your body and looking after yourself and putting yourself first, that tank can stay full throughout the day. Because yes, every time you give, you still get a little bit back. So it's a really nice quid pro quo, right? So that analogy is really important. Now, boundary setting, where we start with is really simple. It's clarity. What are your boundaries? What are they? And I always describe it as a hard yes and a hard no. Mm. What are your values? What is a hard yes for you? What is a hard no? And I'm going to use the example of work and careers here because I feel with women, this is one that's very often blurred, particularly with COVID. We've been working from home. Work-life boundaries have been incredibly askewed, right? So one of the examples I often use for myself personally, I never, ever, ever work past 5 p.m. 
Despite, despite the fact, <laughs> right. But despite the fact that I don't work in a physical office and I have my office at home and I don't, you know, clock off or check my card in at the end of the day, I do not work past 5 p.m. Now, it's very easy for me to continue working past 5 p.m. because I'm my own boss. Hmm. So I can just sit there and keep writing, finishing emails. But the reason I don't do that, firstly, if you continue to work, but you've communicated to someone, I don't work past 5 p.m., but they receive an email from you at 5.45, automatically your boundary to them means nothing. Yeah. You've automatically gone back on it. Right? You've, you've told them, you've modeled to them, I do not respect my own boundaries, therefore why should you? Exactly right, exactly right. You know, So it's really important to recognize first and foremost with boundary setting, you are the first person that has to respect them and uphold them. And this is what's interesting is that so often we flip it the other way around. We expect other people to respect our boundaries. We expect other people to uphold them. But if we don't set the example, if we don't demonstrate that ourselves, you can't blame them for not respecting it. Mm. You can't blame them for not upholding it or not being as stern on it as you are because we're not demonstrating that we care about it, right? So not working past 5 p.m. is one example in relation to work. Another one I implemented in August last year is about my phone notifications. So since August of 2021, I've had every single phone notification turned off except my calls and my texts. Now, what that means is that the only way that I know what's happening in my emails or in my social media or whatever it is, is if I have time to intentionally go into the app and check. That is a hard boundary with my phone. And for me, it was one that was so essential because the dinging consistently in my pocket on the table it gave me so much anxiety and I developed a really unhealthy relationship with my phone and you would know as someone who runs your own business where the boundary lies in terms of working on your computer or working on your phone is very skewed yeah so another one I have is I don't work on my phone don't write emails on my phone don't read emails on my phone now where the line is drawn here is social media right? Because you have to post on Instagram and you post on TikTok. And if you run a business online, that becomes quite difficult. So mm-hmm. time boundaries there are very important, but I'm getting carried away with careers, right? But <laughs> that's an example of work boundaries. Okay. So what I encourage women to do is to create a chart, create a table of all the different areas or bubbles in their life where boundaries might matter. So for example, career, relationships, personal life, right? Those are the three very obvious ones. So you talk about your relationships with others, your partner, your family, your friends. You talk about professionally, your relationship with your work, your business, your colleagues, your boss. And then you talk about your relationship with self, right? Sleep, food, exercise, nutrition, all these different things goes into the personal boundaries, right? Then you decide what's a hard yes, what's a hard no, okay? Now, for example, in the relationships column, if a hard yes for you is spending time with family, then you know that you're going to be setting aside time every week to have quality time with your family. And if anybody wants to impede on that time, they've crossed a boundary. But how are they supposed to know they've crossed a boundary if we don't communicate it? Mm. And that's what's really funny here is that the missing link. Exactly right. That's just a sheet of paper. Mm. But how can you expect a boundary to be upheld if you don't communicate it? Mm. How can you expect expectations to be met if you don't communicate it. So knowing your boundaries is one thing, communicating it is another, right? And that's where the scary part comes in. And a lot of people feel very intimidated by doing that, but it's so important to do. And one way I always advise to do it is you need to practice it like any skill. And the first few times you do it, it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to feel weird and it's going to feel intimidating and awkward. But when you start to push past that, you get better and better and better at it. 
But the first thing with communicating a boundary is mindset and is knowing I am deserving of setting this boundary. It's like back to the worthiness, enoughness principle, isn't it? And this is the thing, like, honestly, with communication, mindset is 90% of the game. Like out of like 90%. The 10% is how you talk and what you say, but 90% is your brain and what it's telling you. Mm. Because if your brain's working against you, you've already lost the battle, right? So it's knowing, yes, I have the right to set this boundary. Yes, it deserves to be respected. And I have the right to say no. I have the right to prioritize my needs and my time over this person and it's not selfish in doing that it's really important to know it's not selfish and there obviously there are exceptions to the rule there are some circumstances where you know for example you're a mother right if you're if billy needs something you can't just say no billy yeah that's right you know go do it yourself okay so there there are exceptions to the rule but it's learning first and foremost what works for you and what makes you feel most empowered right so what i encourage people to do is take one boundary from that list so for example it might be communicating to a friend of yours from personal experience i had a friend of mine who always commented on my food when i ate now there was no malicious intent here but from someone who's recovered from an eating disorder it was very triggering for mm, me to hear right right but she didn't know that because i didn't communicate it yeah Right. And so it was one day it happened. And after lunch, I said to her, do you mind not commenting on my food when I'm eating? It makes me feel uncomfortable. How'd she respond? And she, oh, oh my God, sure. Okay, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. And mostly like people don't do it intentionally. They don't. Right. And they're not aware. And it's when you communicate it that firstly, people often feel very loved and very heard when you communicate a boundary. It means, hi, I respect you enough and I feel safe enough with you to vocalize this really personal choice of mine. So often people feel quite honored to receive a boundary. But people don't often think that that's what's gonna, that's the outcome that's gonna eventuate. Correct. Once they communicate it, right? Yeah. But I also think if you preframe it with exactly what you just said, like I feel confident enough to be able to share this with you. This is my boundary. And I know that you'll, you know, act accordingly i know that you'll i know that your intention is not bad you're not trying to hurt my feelings i realize you don't know and so that's why i'm communicating it to you like do you feel as though that would be a good thing to say 100 percent. like there's a few steps with boundary setting and the first is validation i love how before you mentioned about the fact that you have a kid and you can how you communicate with your kid is different Mm. now one of the very first things you learn in therapy is you treat adults as children Yes. And the very first time I learned that, I laughed out loud. I was like, no way. And, she, and my therapist said, no, 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 it's true. Like, oh, yeah. think about it. Start treating adults as children. What does every human being crave without knowing it? Validation, right? To be seen, to be heard. That's right. Right? The number one reason we communicate is to have our needs met. Yeah. It's the only reason, yeah. right? Is to be heard and to have our needs met, right? So the first thing with boundary setting is if you know then that the person you're communicating to most likely has just very good intent. The first thing you can do to make it softer is to validate them. So for example, let's take that situation with my friend. I can start up by saying, Hey, it was really nice to spend time to you today. And I really appreciate you coming all the way to have lunch with me. I love seeing you. And then I'd use this structure. If you're new to boundary setting, I feel blank when you blank because blank, Mm. I feel a little bit uncomfortable when you comment on my food because it makes me feel guilty for the food that I'm eating. And I just, just doesn't make me feel very nice. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Right. And throw it to them and and give them an opportunity to express or to explain and to understand because boundary setting is all about communicating, Mm. right? It's a two-way conversation. Now, yeah. I would also 
add to the end of that love sandwich, and this is something that I learned from Empower You, yeah. um, that you, and look, this is not, I feel like with like strategies or like communication strategies, I am aware that sometimes it can seem like you're manipulating a situation, but at the same time, creating a love sandwich for somebody, you say, thank you so much for coming out to see me, for driving out all this way, blah, blah, blah. You give them the stuff in the middle. I'm not, I don't really feel very comfortable when you comment on my, you know, my eating. And then you give them the, the other side of the burger, which is the other part of the love sandwich. And you squash it with love again on the other side. And that might be, I know you're my good friend, so I know you're going to take that well. And I actually feel so relieved that I've shared that with you because I know that you won't comment on my food anymore. And I really appreciate it because then again, you're validating them. I see you. I hear you. I know in the future you're going to be there for me. I love you as my friend, like all of that. But giving them to like giving it to them and delivering it to them in a love sandwich, I think is just a super underestimated and very easy way of communicating boundaries uh, in a very loving way. Exactly right. It's a positivity sandwich, right? You, That's you, right. It's one of the first things you learn when you Long enter sandwiches. the corporate world. It's like, all right, how to give constructive feedback is a positivity sandwich. Right? That's right. So it's, it's, it's a very common, but that's a really good point. And, you know, it's because... Like I mentioned before, we want to feel seen, we want to feel heard. And so often people, when you communicate a boundary, they're not aware of it in the first place. Mm. So where people can kind of go wrong with boundary setting is we come at it with a really harsh directive. So for example, in that situation saying, why would you do that? Why would you comment on my food like that? Yeah. Now, I don't have ill intent saying that, but remember words are only 7% of how we communicate. So my tone there automatically gave the impression of, what the F basically for lack of a better word, you know, like screw you. Now for a person who wasn't a aware that you had an issue with that or be aware of that boundary is going to receive that not the way that you want to, right? Defenses are automatically going to come up. They're going to feel under attack. And that's how miscommunication happens. That's where conflict starts, right? Mm. Depending on the person and how they deal with the situation. But so often that's how miscommunication happens. Yeah. Right? So how you avoid that is you think of the intention of going in with the boundary. So what's the intention of setting this boundary? How can I effectively communicate this? And can I grant myself the grace to practice this skill over a long period of time mm. and understand that I will build the confidence and I will be able to better articulate myself and I will be able to improve on this the more that I do it. And on that very poignant point, I really do want to bring it back to now, how can we achieve it? I'm talking on a daily basis. You kind of already mentioned writing things down on a sheet and I'm a massive advocate of journaling. So you could do that in a journal. You could have a heading for each of the topics that Annie suggested before and using that as, you know, a daily kind of guide would be something I think is really beneficial but let's get into like the nitty-gritty because I know that you have a little secret something that you love to do that I feel as though is a you know is a real missing piece when it comes to changing your physiology and your mindset Um, and I would love for you to share that you know when you when you spill all these like little strategies and little secrets in terms of how can we practice confidence how can we feel it how can we sense it how can we achieve it what does it actually look like on a day-to-day basis are you alluding to a sexual little something that i like to do i am oh my God. and do you know what i love can i just <laughs> can i just comment on this i love that in this conversation we have we we've we're so, I mean, we are multifaceted human beings. We are both intelligent, beautiful, smart, sexy women. And I love that we can, because tra- I know what's about to happen. We're going to transition from this like beautiful, like really 
DNM kind of a conversation to like the fun stuff. And I know recently that we've spoken about having fun in our professional life is something that is really important too. And I think that it's important to remember that there are two sides. There is like, you know, we can be having DNMs and being deep in conversation and we can flick to fun in a heartbeat. So bring it. And I'm, I'm so happy you mentioned that because my why is to make communication fun, sexy and empowering. Now empowering and you do. is often where the DNM comes from. Sexy is what I'm just about to say right now. And fun <laughs> is what I'm just about to say right now. So let's, let's get into it. Look, I'm really glad that you brought this up. And this is something that I kind of stumbled across accidentally. And then the more I did it and the more it stuck, the more I realized, I think I'm onto something here. And for anybody who is listening to this per chance, who maybe has seen me on Instagram, you'll know, I love to do something called the boogie. And it's not my title, boogie is an existing word in the dictionary, but I've, I've claimed it as just the word to describe what I do. And the boogie is basically putting on music and dancing. And I'm not a dancer. And I think that's a really important part in this equation. It doesn't matter if you are, but it's really important to note that my background in this, my sister is a professional dancer. She is a professional performer and being raised and growing up with a sister who was so good at dancing, I always believed that it's something that I couldn't be good at because it was her thing. It's her identity, it's not her, yours. Exactly. And every time we're at a party and she would be on the dance floor, I'd be so proud. I'd be hyping her up like, yeah, you sexy bitch. <laughs> but I would be there two-stepping and clapping my hands knowing I could never look like that. I could never do that. Thinking you could never exactly. look like Thank that. Thank you. Good call out there. Good call out. <laughs> Until one day, and it's funny, I actually remember the day, and I'm so glad that I do. It was the day that I had my first corporate photo shoot. And I say corporate intentionally there because this was not for my business. (laughs) You've seen my photos. They are lovely. (laughs) But these photos, black, white, and every shade of gray. And I was, this was, you know, yeah, two and a bit. 50 shades of gray. Stop (laughs) flirting with me. Right, two and a bit years ago, and I basically was so in the imposter syndrome, so uncomfortable and just did not feel myself. And I had the photo shoot. I remember afterwards I went home and I cried because for a woman who deep down, I felt so confident and I felt like I had so much to offer. I'm like, why the hell was that not me? Why wasn't that me? Why, why did I feel not myself in those photos? Why did I wear clothes that I don't like wearing? And I had this like existential crisis that afternoon in my apartment. And then I put on a playlist and I blasted the music and I just started moving. And I remember the first 30 or 40 seconds, I was really critical of myself and it felt really awkward. And I was trying to move in a way that looked sexy or felt right. And I was like, no, just, just let it go. And so I just let it go and I just started moving and I was jumping up and down and I was flirting with myself in the mirror and throwing my hands around and blasting the music. And I remember after about five or six minutes, I stopped and I just felt so good, so good. So I did it again the next day and again the next day and hand over heart. This is one thing I'm incredibly proud of literally every day for the past two years, I've done a boogie, whether it's 10 seconds, one minute or 10 minutes every single day for the past two years during lockdown, I did a boogie. And the amazing thing about the boogie, it's actually scientific, (laughs) is that when you move, 
you release dopamine, you release endorphins, you release serotonin, all that really nice, sexy, happy stuff, all those hormones that make you feel really, really good. And so as a communications coach, I then thought, wait a sexy Hold on, hold on. Have I, have I accidentally stumbled across (laughs) something here? Wait a minute. And so I started realizing, hold on a second. If these hormones help us feel really good and cortisol, our stress hormone increases before we speak and before we present, and our central nervous system goes AWOL before we present and our adrenal levels go off the charts before we present. What if I experimented with replacing one hormone with the other? Now, for any scientific person listening, that's definitely <laughs> not how it works, but that's my very layman's terms of explaining it, right? So it I, makes total sense. It makes great. Total sense. Fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolute hype queen. Love you. And so that's what I did as I started experimenting with what if I did the boogie before a presentation? What if I did the boogie before showing up on camera? And what was so interesting is that I started getting comments so poignant and so repetitive. I love your energy. Energy. Mm. That was the word. Energy. I started getting it in emails. I started getting it in messages. When people met me for the first time, I love your energy. We had an event recently for International Women's Day. Mm. So many women. I love your energy. And I truly dedicate that energy to the boogie yeah because you cannot fake vocal energy you see people on camera camera tells a different story to what in person does and it's difficult to really capture your essence on a screen and this is a note for any woman who's doing work on social media or promoting themselves on camera if you are struggling to show your true self and you're really overcome with the nerves of what literally just drop everything and dance Throw on your favorite song and boogie and notice the difference with how you feel and also how you speak once you start recording again. Hand hand over heart, like greatest game changer It's so cool because anyone listening to this obviously has access to a phone and Wi-Fi. You can literally Google any song that's your favorite that gives you the, you know, the shake that makes you want to dance and just enjoy it and just feel free and how much that elevates your energy. And that's what I think people can sense, you know? And I do think that it carries through audio through screens it it does it does there there is something you know you can you can listen to or follow or whatever people on any social media platform and for some reason regardless of what they're saying you're like I just don't know what it is about this person I just I just don't vibe with them I just don't like them and everything they could say could be factually correct or everything that they could you know share could be an honest review but there's just something about them that you don't like and I really feel that is energy and the more that you learn how to elevate your energy and I'm talking like high vibrations the more you're able to sense that in other people because like Annie you walk into a room and you can just sense your energy like you've just got this like BDE you seriously do like this big dick energy (laughs) you looked at me for a second I'm like girl it's big dick energy um (laughs) You can feel it, you know, you just have it and you just have this presence about you. And one thing that you brought up that I just thought was really cool because I'm, you know, such a nerd burger in my head about hormones and things like that. It's very interesting. I feel like confidence is much like meditation in that meditation you do consistently for short bouts of time. And if you do it consistently enough, it becomes your dominant frequency. It becomes your dominant like really what you're trying to do is shift from your autonomic nervous system to your parasympathetic nervous system. Correct. So you're, so you're transferring from your fight or flight, your sort of stress response into your kind of recovery response or your rest and digest. So you're just trying to get that adaptation to occur to last for longer periods of time. 
And I think it's just much the same. Like when you have more confidence because you practice it. And honestly, practicing confidence is such a mind blowing but simple idea that you've really brought to me to help me understand. It's like you you practice it. It's not just something that just comes to you overnight. You don't click your fingers. Oh, wow, I'm so confident. I'm achieving great things in my life. And I just, oh, there you go. It just happened. It's all about the work, the inner work. And I feel as though that confidence when you're saying, you know, over time, you just put on, uh, you know, put on a song that is like, you're like, yes, this is my jam. That little bit of consistency every single day is going to help you mitigate acute stressful situations like oh my god there's so much pressure on me this is a really big gig i just pulled or or this is a really important work interview or this is a massive project or i have to speak to a board of people today whatever that might be because that confidence is kind of like your insurance that you've been building up over time i love that i love that analogy but let's let's dive into that you mentioned like practicing confidence day to day boogie is one thing and i will say hand over heart despite how incredible it is it will not solve all your problems Right. So let's get real here with what are things you can do every single day to feel more confident. So Love the boogie it. is one thing. All right. right. Talking to yourself in the mirror. Oh, this just makes me think of your Instagram story where you're like, you need to catch yourself in every reflection and it, you need to tell yourself you're sexy. I was like, oh my God, I love this girl. Now there are two ways to interpret a story like that. And for those who didn't see it, I'll quickly recount it. I say that as if everybody should have seen it. I understand many people don't see it and it's so fine. Um, please follow me. Uh, <laughs> But basically on the story, I was recording myself just saying, guys, just hype the shit out of yourself. Be your own biggest cheerleader. Catch yourself in the mirror and outrageously flirt with yourself until you blush. Just tell yourself how gorgeous you are, how sexy you are, how you're proud of yourself. Let's list off the top of your head five things that you love about yourself. What's your most recent achievement? Why are you proud of it? Just that positive self-talk needs to be normalized because I'm so sick of the habit for myself for three years that every time I looked in the mirror, it was something negative. Mm. It was nitpicking. It was something I didn't like about myself. It was something that was I could have improved on. It was a comment that someone made that got to me. I was so tired that other people controlled my personal narrative. And I thought, hell mm, mm, mm. <laughs> to the no. We are, we are rewriting this book and I am the opening chapter and she is also the main character. And we hold the pen and you have the script and it's your turn to write. Okay, so talking to yourself in the mirror, sexy talk, have fun with it. Once again, just like any skill, it'll feel weird when you start. It'll be uncomfortable. Set a habit. 28 days takes it takes 28 days to form a habit. Yeah. Right. So make it a challenge for yourself. 28 days every single day. You're going to look yourself in the mirror. You're going to look into your pupils, your irises, make eye contact with yourself. Don't avoid those sexy eyes. And you're going to say as many incredible things about yourself that you can think of. Okay, so there's the boogie talking to yourself in the mirror. Now, another big one I want to mention is perception of others. And what I mean by that is judgment. Mm. Now, we so often have a fear of judgment, judgment from others. What do they think about me? What if I say this? What if I say that? One of my favorite, favorite quotes is by Eleanor Roosevelt. And I literally want this plastered over my new home when I can officially buy somewhere and I can make it my own. And it says, nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. Mm -hmm. And I use the analogy of focusing on what you can and can't control. You can control how you think, how you feel, how you act, when you eat, when you sleep, who you talk to. But you have no control over what they say, what they think and how they feel. So regardless of what people say and think about you, firstly, 
honey, that's a big indicator to find your tribe. If you're surrounding yourself with people who are putting you down or who aren't making you feel good, it's a big sign that mm. we got to start reaching out to women who lift us up, support us, and make us feel good. Hi, how are you doing? Reach out to me. <laughs> Let's be best friends. Reach out to D. We want to be your friend. We want to be your hype women, right? Super important. So it's recognizing that that is out of your control, okay? You have no control over that. So why do we stress over it? And f- going back to that quote, the only reason it has power over you is because you've allowed it to. You have given them permission to say what they want, and you've allowed that to sink deep. Now, I understand words hurt. I'm not a fan of the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Honey, I went to a private girl school. <laughs> Same. It's torture. It is a <laughs> difficult time. Okay. So I so deeply and sincerely, on a serious note for a second, I understand words can hurt. And mm. I know as a woman, the pressure to be liked, to be appeasable. I understand that wholeheartedly. But I cannot explain to you the freedom and the liberation of stepping into your own skin and surrounding yourself with women who love that. Not even just women, people in general that love that and support that, but then expect that. So you being you becomes an expectation and you no longer have to put on a mask every day and grow tired of carrying it around. It's so, so important. And with tribe, you know, they say you're like the five people you spend the most time with. I think like just be strategic about that. And this is what we're talking about in terms of finding your tribe. If there are five women in your life after you've done your journaling and your reflections and you're like, these are people I want to not not be more like, but these are people whose energy I would like to match myself, be my own version of this amazing high energy, then reaching out and finding tribe is going to be the best way to do that because you all push each other up. You all uplift each other, but you can all equally be individuals. And the beauty of confidence and how much of a difference it makes in terms of the quality of your life is it really changes the friends that you make, the people you reach out to, the jobs that you apply for, you know, what your day looks like, the contributions you make to your family, friends, community, it has so many ripple effects. It's not just like, oh, I think I'm a hot bitch. Mm. It's not. It's it's so much more than that. Honestly, it's like the water drop and all the ripple effects. And you know what's funny? Since I became, and I can wholeheartedly call myself a confident woman now. I've worked on it for so long and I freaking love my confidence. But what's so interesting for me with my journey of being a confident woman is I now respect myself. And what I mean by that, it's not that I didn't before, but I do things now because I'm confident in myself and I love myself and I respect myself that I didn't do before. One of them being, I gift myself with sleep. Mm. I don't overwork myself to the point of sickness. I gave myself glandular fever two and a half years ago because I was so burnt out and so overworked and such a people pleaser in a bad way, in a bad way, where I did everything and anything to make people impressed by me or so ego driven right and ladies note like when i talk about my transformation this was only over two years ago Mm. right so you can have such a dramatic shift in the course of your life and you can have such a dramatic shift in the narrative that you write you just have to decide classic quote is it one day or day one Mm. yeah and when do you start that day one and i tell you what a week can change your entire life Without question. Like you could go through a breakup. You could have a flood hit your home. You could, you know, like there are just so many things. You could you could get the job offer. You could start the side hustle. You know, you could get one awesome 
gig, you one massive sale could make the difference. Do you know why I'm here today? Tell me. Tell me. Do you know why I started my business? Because I didn't get on a plane to China. Tell us this story. So basically, I was in university and I was in my fourth year. And I'd done university because I was a very egocentric young woman who wanted to feel very impressive and very validated by her peers. So I studied something that was very big and notable. And part of that degree was traveling to China for 12 months. Six days, February 2020, six days before I was supposed to embark on that plane, the Ruby Princess docked into Circular Key with coronavirus. And I had my entire life packed up into one suitcase and I was holding a ticket, watching the, the nightly news, and they'd said international borders had closed. That one day for me, kickstarted a spiral of trauma and, and feeling lost and isolation and just everything felt like it was out of my control. But when I look back, that one day and me not getting on that plane literally kickstarted my journey. And it's what you just said before. You can have one experience, one opportunity, one door closes, another one does open. And sometimes we're not looking in the right direction that the door is. And it takes a little realignment and a little shifting and a little adjusting to finally see the door. But I just want to have like a call out to anybody who's listening, regardless of what you're going through right now. And I, as I know Dee does as well, have a lot of close women friends who you know have been through a lot, been through breakups, been through whatever it might be that's gone, through, gone on in their life. Yes, that period of time can be very frustrating and you can feel disempowered and you can feel like you have lost your confidence. But I want you to envision confidence like a flame. Sometimes it just turns into an ember and it feels like everything it's trying is trying its hardest to extinguish it and to put it out. But it's your flame. So you have control over relighting that match and sparking it again. And it will take time to grow from a little baby fire to a massive explosive bonfire. It takes time, right? But fire spreads like really quick, right? So when you start that habit and you commit, you're going to notice, like we mentioned before, ripple effect. You're going to notice that ripple effect happen so tremendously quickly. And every time you commit to a new habit and you do it, you give yourself that confidence of I can do it. Every time you do a boogie and you do it, You give yourself that confidence, I can do it. Every day when you talk to yourself in the mirror and you do it, you give yourself the confidence of I can do it. You reach out to women for coffee, they say yes, you go and do it. You give yourself the confidence of I can do it. It's making the decision, the active step, stepping out of your comfort zone, doing the hard thing, pick your hard. David Goggins, absolutely love him. Mm -hmm. You pick your hard and you decide what am I going to do to make this better for myself and to become the absolutely most explosive, red hot, sexy fire version of myself. Because you are the one that can do it. And you won't know what that is until you know who you are. Correct. Okay. My common question to all of my guests is what is a health hack that was a game changer for you? So the health hack we've already touched on, Mm. which is the boogie, because of all of the scientific benefits of it and literally was such a game changer for me but also recently I've been committing to a more stringent morning routine and it actually has been such a game changer for me to have a predictable routine every morning that makes me feel really good so I do the Wim Hof breathing exercise every morning I do journaling I hate journaling I'm not one of the women who's like oh my god you should journal no 
Like I, I hate writing. I used to. I love it now. See, I'm still on that journey. Yeah. And that's okay. Like your day 300 is my day 20. That's okay. True. Right. But one thing I want to say is because I'm, I hate writing, it just doesn't flow for me. And for anyone who resonates with this, there's an app called Otter, O-T-T-E-R, I believe. And you can dictate your journaling. And it transcribes it for you. Very so cool. So you can just talk your journaling, right? So I've been journaling every morning and then drinking like water, just like little steps that have made my day start so much better. We so love morning routines. Love morning routines. So that for me has been in the past six, seven weeks, a real game changer for me. That's amazing. I love that it gives you predictability as mm. well because there has been so much unpredictability and one of the six human needs is certainty. So like routines, especially when you work from home or you work for yourself, creating that routine for yourself, even if it's like 20 minutes in the day. And this is always what I get the Flow Fit girls to do. I always make sure that they do their three daily practices. That's meditation, journaling, and grounding. Simply because they have massive returns on investment. They're so good for mental health. They're so good for physical health, but it just gives them that, that certainty, that routine, that predictability. And that as humans is what we need. And the question from the community for today comes from Lena from Dubai in the Ooh. United Arab Emirates. Yeah, we're international. We're international. Ooh, okay. And she wants to know, and I love, I, I'm, I already am in love with your answer. You, she actually doesn't know this question, guys. Um, but I'm already in love with your answer because I just know what a human you are. And like, <laughs> I'm just going to love this answer. Okay. Is, no pressure. <laughs> look, you always exceed my expectations <laughs> anyway. So even if I had them high... You know, you kill them anyway. How to overcome a difficult task that bores you, but you have to do it. Oh my gosh. This is such a good question. Isn't it? This is a fantastic question. And you're asking someone who did a degree for five years that they didn't want to do. So I'm going to consider myself highly qualified <laughs> to answer this question. A uh, few things. Number one, you want to split up your time allocation. Don't sit down at a task for two hours you're not going to get it done. You want to start with really short timing allocation. So for example, five minutes, look at your clock, have it in front of you, five minutes, start the task. Great. Stand up, move, sit back down, 10 minutes. When you start 10 minutes, around seven, eight minutes, you're going to realize you're getting into a groove. You're starting to actually do it. All right. Extend the timer. Now the timing is the first thing. The second thing is a reward system. There's no point doing work if you don't know you're going to be rewarded for it. Right? So decide what is your reward, not only in those breaks, but when you finish that task. Okay. So for example, it might be after my 20 minute time, I'm going to go for a walk. Okay. Or I'm going to go and buy myself an ice cream from the convenience store down the road. <laughs> a, a, a vegan dairy-free, really healthy ice cream. <laughs> I, look, I was going to caution you there because I, I, I never like to, and this is also goes for children, especially for Billy. I don't ever like to reward or with punish food? with food ah interesting i do feel like it creates a not a not so great relationship with food look but there's but there's you know differences for everybody and there's individual times for everybody if you don't feel like your relationship with food is is um you know if you feel quite comfortable with your relationship with food then sure a one-off here or there is fine um but yeah i did want to sort of just just touch on that because i know that there are a lot of people that experience eating disorders and obviously yep. you know you have had had your own a journey with that um, but it is very valid. And also I feel as though that's, that's a celebration, right? It's like mm. celebrate the small wins. That, that reward is a celebration of small wins. And also, sorry, but you, you mentioned, Don't apologize. love it. I mean, I'm not sorry. I would like to add another point. Thank you. And that point is go for a walk. That's not the first thing that people think about. 
That is not the, they don't think, oh, I will reward my body with movement that it craves. It, they don't think that in general. I can't tell you how effective. Firstly, thank you so much for bringing that up before. A very important point to mention. I appreciate you for that. But secondly, physiological movement. I don't need to educate you about this. <laughs> my God, I did not realize just it, it puts your body into a different space. Mm. It, it's like a reset more so than, you know, scrolling on social media or like what sitting down watching a movie or a YouTube clip. It just does something more for the body, right? So the first thing was timing allocation. Second thing, a reward system that works for you. You determine what that is. Great. But the third final thing, the most important is actually break up the task. Like get clarity around how you're going to attack it. Because so many people dive in headfirst into the question, into the project, into the task, into the goal without actually knowing how am I going to do this and what are the steps? So take five, 10, 15 minutes to break down what do I need to do to actually achieve this task? And can I do it all today? No, probably not. So let's then break that down into two dot points a day or two things a day. And this is why also, what was her name? Lena. Lena. Please don't do it last minute. (laughs) I learned this the hard way. You have to, if it's something particularly that you don't want to do, it's all the more reason to do it earlier because you're giving yourself the grace and the patience to have flexibility with it. When you do something last minute, you grow resentful of the task. You then bully yourself for not doing it effectively. And it is a toxic cycle that just continues and continues and continues. So when you get the task or you decide to do the project, whatever it is, map it out, make a clear goal, strategize over the next few weeks or days how you're going to do it and then just get your butt down and do it and as somebody who and boogie and boogie <laughs> and as somebody who absolutely used to hate organization and planning look i have to go through my childhood trauma because there is something in there about organized i'm not joking no bring it up about planning no i don't know what it is yet i still haven't discovered it but I'm becoming better at it because I recognize that it triggers me for whatever reason. Wow. And it actually could be a fear of failure. Like if you plan and you prep and you invest all this time, but you fail versus you just do things on the fly and you wing it. It's like there's a lower expectation on you and you, you exceed people's expectations. So let's flip that. Rather than making a list of things to do, start the day with what's my intention? Mm, that's good. How do I want to feel at the end of the day? Do I want to feel satisfied and happy? Or do I want to feel annoyed and lethargic and fatigued? No, I'd rather feel satisfied and happy. Okay, well, to do that, that probably means that I need to do a few things today. Start the day with an intention and a feeling, a purpose of feeling a certain way rather than an actual prescriptive to-do list. Also, freaking hate the word to-do lists. Can we eradicate them for good and turn it into a priority list? Because I know I'm guilty of having 70 things on a to-do list and not knowing where to start. And it becomes so overwhelming. Start with your priority for the day and then move into the priorities for the week. Those are the things you have to focus on. The rest are just always things that we can be doing. And you know, we've all got like admin and stuff we have to do, but it's not as much as a priority as other things. So yeah, but if you're someone who struggles like you with with organization or whatnot, completely get that, switch it to an intention and a feeling at the beginning of the day. And I actually have used that over the last couple of years and it has made me plan as a result because I'm like, what will give me that, that feeling? What by the end of the day will I have to have done for me to feel that feel way. that way and if i want that feeling well then i better do that thing and one other thing i would add for lena and this is kind of funny because this is how i suggest parents help their kids eat vegetables <laughs> lol <laughs> is i tell them to combine foods they don't yet like with foods they do like so that might look like vegetables covered in tomato sauce and if that's the case so be it 
But when it comes to tasks that you know you have to do, but you don't want to do it, you have to add that with something that you do like. And I love using music. Like love, I love. I'll just sit there on my computer. I'm like, a day on my computer. Like I just really don't want to be here. But if I say go to a cafe that I love with like high vibes and good energy, or I go and I make sure that I've created a playlist that I know I'm going to enjoy while I'm doing that work that takes out a big chunk of the, you know, the, the, the crappy feeling I'm feeling while I'm doing it, you know, it it becomes an enjoyable task because I'm, I'm squashing it and I'm matching it with something that I do like to do. I love that so much. So much much. wisdom. I'm very, very wise. (laughs) Okay. And to wrap this up, Annalise, you are, like I said, a freaking superstar. Like your energy is like a sunshine. Like I really, I don't even know how to explain you. How can people find you? Where do you want to send them if they just like love you, love your energy, love all the messages that you shared with us? Thank you so much. The main point of call at the moment is Instagram and it's basically the easiest way to find me is at her speaking coach. It's also the same on on TikTok. We're we're a TikToker now. All right. Expanding. I know. Expanding, darling. It's an expansion. (laughs) So you can also find me just anywhere at her speaking coach and you'll find me. But if anything, yeah, resonated today or you wanted to chat further, reach out. I literally love hearing from people. Same. I'm not one of the people who are like yeah we do I genuinely like receiving messages and I make the effort to try and respond to everybody who reaches out it makes my entire day it just so if you want to make my day and you want to make me smile please reach out I just I'd love to hear from you I love it thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today and guys we will see you next week bye If anything in this episode sparked a question for you, please reach out to me on Instagram at dzabara. You're a legend and legends leave five-star reviews. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Catch you next time on What a Mouthful.